हेलो ऑल वेलकम टू लीगल टॉक्स बाय देसी कानून आई एम सुयश एंड आई एम एक्साइटेड टू हैव स्टार्टेड दिस शो ऑन टुडे शो वी विल टॉक अबाउट अनदर जुडिशियल प्रोनाउंसमेंट बाय द ऑनरेबल सुप्रीम कोर्ट ऑफ इंडिया इन रिलेशन टू आर्बिट्रेशन वेयर इन द कोर्ट डिस्कस द आर्बिट्रेबिलिटी ऑफ फ्रॉड एंड द फेट ऑफ अनस्टैम्ड आर्बिट्रेशन अग्रीमेंट्स so let us cut the chase and move on to the case at hand the name of the case is nn global mercantile private limited versus indo unique flame limited and others in this case the supreme court dealt with the following question whether an arbitration agreement would be non existent in law invalid or unenforceable if the underlying contract was not stamped as per the relevant stamp act and whether allegations of fraudulent invocation of bank guarantee furnished under the substantive contract would be an arbitrable dispute thus there were three important issues that were dealt with by the court in this case the first was what is the validity of an unstamped arbitration agreement secondly whether allegation of a fraud is an arbitrable dispute and lastly what is the maintainability of writ petition under article 226 and article 227 of the constitution of india to challenge an order rejecting an application for reference to arbitration under section 8 of the arbitration act section 8 provides the court the par to refer the parties to arbitration now let us discuss the first question that is what is the validity of an unstamped arbitration agreement in this relation the court held that an arbitration agreement is a distinct and independent form of underlying substantive commercial contract once the arbitration agreement is held to have an independent existence it can be acted upon irrespective of the alleged invalidity of the commercial contract it was further held by the court that in cases of applications under section 8 that is the power of the court to refer the parties to arbitration section 9 grant of interim relief before or during the arbitral proceedings and section 11 which deals with the appointment of arbitrator in all these cases if an application is moved the court can proceed with those applications to safeguard the subject matter of the arbitration however then the substantive original contract would have to be impounded and the concerned party is to be directed for payment of the requisite stamp duty in accordance with the relevant local laws the bottom line is that deficiency in payment of stamp duty is a curable defect and a chance ought to be provided to the concerned parties to cure such defect the assessment of the stamp duty is generally made by the collector under the local laws and as such the findings relating to the same could be challenged in separate proceedings as per law if a person is aggrieved by imposition of excessive stamp duty then that person can challenge the same in separate proceedings under the local stamp act of that particular state 
Further, in case where the arbitrator has already been appointed consensually, the arbitrator would be obligated to impound the contract or the instrument and direct the concerned party to pay the requisite stamp duty. Thus, in all the cases, whether the matter is before the court or before the arbitrator, if it is found that deficient payment of stamp duty is there in an agreement, then the arbitrator or the court is obligated to impound such agreement or instrument. The court also discussed the previous cases which were occupying the field in this regard. SMST Estates Private Limited versus Chanmari T Company Private Limited. This case was overruled and the cases of Garware Wall Ropes Limited versus Coastal Marine Constructions and Engineering Limited and Vidya Drolia versus Durga Trading Corporation were found to be erroneous in relation to existence of an arbitration agreement. Now let us move on to the second question in this case. Is fraud an arbitrable dispute? Here also court discussed various case laws and made a distinction between the cases where there are allegations of serious fraud and fraud simpliciter. It held that mere allegations of fraud simpliciter are not a sufficient ground to decline reference to arbitration and there is no express bar in the Arbitration Act with respect to arbitrability of disputes involving allegations of fraud. Thus, after discussing various cases, the court came to a conclusion that fraud per se is an arbitrable dispute and it discarded the archaic view that fraud is non-arbitrable, holding it to be obsolete. The court also said that the civil aspect of fraud can be adjudicated by an arbitral tribunal. However, the criminal aspect of fraud, forgery or fabrication which has penal consequences and criminal sanctions can be adjudicated only by a court of law since it may result in a conviction which is in the realm of public law. In cases of criminal consequences or penal consequences, public at large is generally involved because a crime is always against a society. So, in those cases, only a court of law is competent to adjudicate. Thus, the court said that fraud is an arbitrable dispute. Per se, it cannot be said that fraud is non-arbitrable. I think this is a path-breaking finding by the Honorable Supreme Court. Lastly, the court discussed the maintainability of writ petitions under Article 226 and 227 of Constitution of India in relation to Section 8 of the Arbitration Act. Articles 226 and 227 deal with the writ jurisdiction and the supervisory jurisdiction of the High Courts. And Section 8, as I stated earlier, deals with the power of the court to refer the parties to arbitration. In order to answer this question, the court cited two important legal provisions, Section 37, Subsection 1A of the Arbitration Act and Section 13, Subsection 1A 
of the Commercial Courts Act. Now section 37 of the Arbitration Act talks about appealable orders and it states that an appeal shall lie from the orders wherein a court has refused to refer the parties to arbitration under section 8. So in those cases an appeal can lie. Now what is section 13.1a of the Commercial Courts Act? It talks about appeals from decrees of commercial courts and commercial divisions. What is important to note is the proviso of section 13.1a. It provides that an appeal shall lie from such orders passed by a commercial division or a commercial court that are specifically enumerated under order 43 of the Code of Civil Procedure and section 37 of the Arbitration and Conciliation Act. So, there is a valid legal remedy that is available to the parties under section 37 of the Arbitration and Conciliation Act and if they are not satisfied with that, they can approach the commercial courts under section 13.1a of the Commercial Courts Act. Thus, the court held that where there is availability of a statutory remedy, the writ petitions under articles 226 and 227 would be non-maintainable and liable to be set aside. What are my concluding remarks? Though I have summarized the findings of the court in this case, but it is opposite to tell all of you that it was a very lengthy judgment and the court made painstaking efforts to explain the entire jurisprudence behind the existence of arbitration act, meaning of arbitration and arbitrability of disputes. I find it to be a path-breaking case law that provides much needed respite to the parties who wish to get their disputes arbitrated. All of us know that fraud is a touchy issue and countless number of judicial pronouncements have only complicated the matter. Judgments like Booz Allen and other such judgments have made people to think that fraud is non-arbitrable and people have not been able to understand the arbitrability of fraud in, in a holistic sense. In this regard, the present judgment by the court is quite unequivocal in its approach and succinctly puts across the point that the disputes relating to fraud are indeed arbitrable as long as the aspects of penal consequences are not involved. And even with respect to unstemmed arbitration agreements, the court observed that deficiency in payment of stamp duty is a separate issue altogether and just because there is deficiency in payment of stamp duty, it should not invalidate the arbitration agreement itself and the parties must be given time to cure such defect. If they do not cure such defect, then it is a different matter. Then the arbitration agreement would not hold ground, but chance must be given to the parties. Lastly, the unscrupulous habit of the litigants to approach the high courts under articles 226 and 227 would also receive a blow by way of this judgment. This habit needs to be curbed. However, as all of us know in India that people are very creative when it comes to initiating disputes before the court and 
though fraud in civil domain has been held to be arbitrable yet parties may try to cleverly bypass the same by invoking frivolous criminal proceedings to oust the jurisdiction of the arbitral tribunal with respect to arbitrability of fraud but nothing much could be done about such people and i am of the view that proceedings for malicious prosecution could be initiated against such unscrupulous individuals or organizations overall i think it is a groundbreaking judgment and i hope that it would encourage the arbitration scenario in india so thank you very much for listening to this show i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed learning about arbitration see you next time till then stay tuned